Hey, it's Gabe. I want to recommend a podcast I think you'll enjoy called What Could Go Right. On What Could Go Right, the hosts, Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and Executive Director Emma Varva-Lucas, sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues. They look back at how far society has come and look forward to what it will take to achieve a brighter future. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, listen to What Could Go Right wherever you get your podcasts. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that raises the curtain on everyday history and lets it take a bow. I'm Gabe Lusier, and today we're looking at a banner day for theater fans in the Keystone State, the time when lawmakers finally did away with a prudish and xenophobic law that had hindered artistic expression for nearly 10 years. The day was March 2nd, 1789. The Pennsylvania legislature lifted a decade-long ban on live theater. Prior to the Revolutionary War, many people in the northern colonies disapproved of theater and of other popular forms of entertainment on religious grounds. That was especially true in colonial Pennsylvania, where the Quaker founders drew a hard line against recreations that they associated with vice, idleness, and decadence. The list of taboo activities included cockfighting, horse racing, juggling, non-religious singing, and of course, live theater. For the Quaker settlers, those amusements were vestiges of their old life back in Europe, where they often went hand-in-hand with card-playing and hard-drinking. To help keep those unsavory elements out of their new community, the Common Council of Pennsylvania passed multiple laws prohibiting theater and other public amusements. However, each time they did so, the laws were invariably repealed by the British, to whom the colony still belonged. That back and forth didn't make much difference in the early 18th century, as the citizens of Pennsylvania were mostly in agreement, and there was little danger of anyone actually building a theater or staging a play. It was a different story, though, by the mid-1700s. At that point, Philadelphia was the largest, most developed city in British North America, making it the perfect breeding ground for show business. The first theatrical performance on record there took place in 1749. Naturally, the Common Council was against it. 
members warned that theater could have, quote, very mischievous effects on the public, and that it was nothing but a sinful enterprise designed to draw, quote, great sums of money from weak and inconsiderate persons. As long as the British were in charge, the council couldn't do much beyond voicing its displeasure, but that was a fairly effective tool in its own right. In 1754, for instance, the Lewis Hallam Theatre Company arrived from London and requested permission to show plays in Philadelphia. Governor Hamilton granted Hallam a license on the condition that he put on a clean show, but for local residents and members of the council, that wasn't good enough. They wrote letters to the governor and to the press, condemning the lewd lifestyles of actors and warning of the potentially harmful influence that such foreigners might have on their communities. The opposition didn't squash Hallam's plans completely, but it did force him to hold his performances outside the city's borders. Five years later, a similar situation played out when David Douglas's London Theatre Company received permission to build a theatre on the outskirts of Pennsylvania. Five years later, a similar situation played out when David Douglas's London Theatre Company received permission to build a permanent theatre on the outskirts of Philadelphia. Once again, religious groups complained, prompting the colony's legislature to institute a new ban on theatre. The governor held off on signing that law until January of 1760, as he had already agreed to let the company perform. In the end, though, the delay hardly mattered, as the British crown once again declared the law null and void. Pennsylvania's war on theater hit a brick wall for the next decade and a half, but after the United States declared independence from Britain, the fighting quickly resumed. On March 30, 1779, the Pennsylvania Assembly passed the first law against theater that couldn't be overturned by England. Many colonists welcomed the ban enthusiastically, viewing it as a concrete sign of their independence, not only from British rule, but from the frivolous aspects of British culture. In the decade that followed, the ban on theater was widely enforced for the first time, Actors and managers who had fled Philadelphia during the war now found themselves more unwelcome than ever upon their return. Local authorities refused to let them stage even a one-night performance. But as the 1780s marched on, attitudes in Pennsylvania gradually began to shift. There were numerous petitions to repeal the ban, as well as ones calling for the establishment of a permanent theater within Philadelphia. Those measures were eventually defeated, but they showed that people were beginning to question the merit of a law that effectively banned entertainment. After all, the desire to be entertained doesn't belong to a single country or culture. It's innately human, and not something you can stamp out or repress. At least not forever. That reality is what eventually led the Pennsylvania legislature to finally repeal the law of its own accord, which it did on March 2, 1789. By that point, the tide had truly shifted, and those who opposed the theater ban now outnumbered the ones calling for its enforcement. That wellspring of support turned Philadelphia into the theatrical capital of the U.S. for the next several decades, until New York City took over the role. During that time, most Pennsylvanians were still worried that the vices of the old world might sully the promises of the new one. They often didn't like the kind of material performed or even the people performing it, 
but they no longer tried to suppress the entire art form. In that way, the citizens seem to have learned a valuable lesson about what it means to live in a democracy, that the laws have to suit the needs of the people, including the need to be entertained. Or, in other words, you don't have to watch it, and you don't have to like it, but in a free country, the show must go on. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully, you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you have a second and you're so inclined, consider keeping up with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can find us at TDIHCshow. You can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, or you can send your feedback directly to me by writing to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.